Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Eddie Beeson. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. Make sure it's recording. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stolle back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall interview. Guys, I hope you are enjoying the uh, weekly podcasts that have been happening. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun doing them and everything else. But now is not the time to talk about the weekly show and the panel. Today is to talk about author, and if I've read the IMDb correctly, uh, actor, Mr. Yeah, Ruben O'Neill. Ruben, how you doing today? Doing fantastic. What about you, man? I'm doing great. Well, look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you know past the gristle and get right to the bone here. You write books that are based in real life, but are in poetry form. Now, this this catches my attention as a songwriter. Uh, that that's kind of what you do when you write lyrics is you, you take reality and turn it into some sort of artistic impression. Um, so I'm really curious about it being in poetry form, but like. What are some of the subject matters that you, that, you, that you touch on as far as based in reality? Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for asking that, too. So I deal a lot with, of course, losing a parent early, um, LGBTQ matters, too, and a physical, emotional abuse in a relationship. Um, I touch on a lot of mental health and, of course, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, all of that stuff in my books, too. Okay. And uh, I, I know I know artists are usually subjective, especially in poetry form. And it, it's funny because it's very rare I get to have an interview where I can have a conversation with somebody where I have kind of an idea of what the hell I'm talking about. Again, <laughs> I'm not a poet by any means mm. of, or stretch of the imagination, but as a lyric writer, you always want to have some sort of resolution. It's almost like writing a, a rhythmic short story where there is a resolution or at least a, an ending to what it is you write. Um, yeah. Unless, unless you decide to leave it as an open-ended question, of course. But uh, with, with the way you do your things, especially with some of the dark content of things like uh, the civil rights for the LGBTQ or, or like suicide, uh, do you, do you uh, end them on, on open-ended questions or do you more often than not uh, find some sort of resolution, whether it be the quote-unquote happy ending or whatever? What, what, uh, how do you normally end these, these, these types of subjects? Because it, it well, is a hard subject to end. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I definitely try to end each of my books saying that, you know what, you can reach out for help. You can always ask a friend for help. Um, because definitely, too, I mean, my books are real life. It's not a story where, of course, I can just end them on a happy ending. They're realistic. And I believe that it starts with a discussion and reaching out for help. Just the same thing like I did. I didn't have anybody who I could rely on at the time. And of course, too, it's same thing with depression. Of course, you have a thousand people that you can technically reach out for help. But of course, you get stuck in this loop of, of course, like, 
not believing in yourself or you do truly feel alone. Um, so just reach out for help. That's a ending point in each of my books. Okay. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the other question I've got to ask too, it's like you keep saying that it is based in reality. Do you base these off of subject matters you picked up on like uh, online or, or from friends or whatever, or are these literally personal experiences that you're putting down on, on pen and paper? These are literally personal experiences that happen to me personally. And that's why that I do a lot of self-help talks when it comes to um, volunteering at schools and stuff like that is because all of what I write has personally happened to me. Okay. All right. So that, that's definitely, uh, uh, how did, how did you even decide to go that way? Let, let, let's start that. Uh, I can understand like writing a biography or, or, you know, a memoir, if you were, uh, if you will, you know, describing some of the pains and trials and tribulations in your life, but to decide to go artistic with it and, and use such an abstract, uh, writing format as poetry, mm -hmm. what, what made you decide to go that route to, to tell your story? So first of all, I've always been a writer. I've always been a poet. I've always liked to write and stuff like that. But what finally got me to become a poet and to actually publish my works, um, it was the promise that I made to my dad before he passed away. Okay. And he always would tell me growing up, like, you should make something out of this. You should do something with your poetry. And I always told him, oh, no, of course, like, look at this. Like, I can't become a poet. I can't do this, dad. Like, forget you. And then, of course... Because, um, of course, he did die of cancer, and then seeing him in the hospital all of those times, visiting him even up to until his final breath, um, even when he passed away, that was the promise that I made to him was that, Dad, I will do this. I will actually get the balls and publish my poetry. And then that's when I decided to take that step, and then it just blossomed from there. And it's just about um, staying true to your message that you want to tell people and without bullshitting them and lying to them and you just have to be honest about yourself well i'm curious um and and by the way i i will say you know uh before i even ask the question i will say i i have uh you know my sympathies for your loss um especially no, thank, you. thank you especially since it seems like your father was very supportive of you uh i imagine that he was supportive of when you uh eventually came out and and all that um so if he's if he's uh you know you should do something with your with your with your craft with your with your talent you know, there's, there's no greater loss. I mean, of a parent to begin with, but especially a supportive parent, your number one fan always. Um, so, but I'm curious when you were, when you were doing that and your father was, uh, was supporting you, were you already walking down this path of using truth in, in your poetry or were you at that point doing more, I don't want to use the term generic, but like, Oh no, you can use that. That's fair. <laughs> you know, uh, more generic styles of, of, of poetry, which is just more about the emotion and less about the actual in, in-depth uh, message. Oh yeah, no, I've always been a raw poet. I've always written about my experiences in life, but of course this was all before what happened to me happened to me. Um, even before all of that crap happened, it was still a matter about being real with poetry, being raw with poetry, whether it would be through romance that inspires you, whether it be through just an everyday obstacle that happened, you used to write about it. And that's, I've always been like that, of writing about my feelings in poetry format. There are a lot of different formats of poetry. Uh, what, what is your particular style? Like, I, you know, for, for examples, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but you got, you got, your oh, yeah. typical, you got your typical roses are red, violets are blue, you know, things that, that <laughs> follow that cadence, you got your haikus, you got, you know, 
uh, you know, the, the more, the more emotional felt where it's uh, a, a lot of people call it slam poetry where it doesn't even matter if it rhymes, you know, type deal. Um, what, what's your format or, or what is your most comfortable format? 100%. So I do free verse and I guess what you would call, um, the, like free slam poetry. Um, because in my personal opinion, a poem doesn't have to rhyme. It's just about what you're feeling in the inside. And that is true poetry. It's not about writing about just a topic and trying to get as much views as you can for it. It's just honestly about what you're feeling, what it is that your heart is telling you to write and put on that paper. And so I do free verse and slam poetry. Now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit here and uh, stop me if one you don't want to talk about it or two you don't want to give it away because people need to see it by the books. Um, Open book. <laughs> but, you, but you did state that uh, you were writing about things that happened to you, even as they were happening to you or before you did uh, before the things had happened to you the way you were writing. The the, the phrasing that you use it, it's got to ask the question what happened. Yeah, no, 150%. So this is also to um, what I promote in real life to help kids and adults that are going through the same thing. Um, and of course, to legally, I can't disclose any names, but I absolutely do talk about what happened. Of course. Um, so a couple of things that have happened, but this is one of the ones that stood out the most is I'm just going to call them my dear friend. That's the best way that I can phrase it. Okay. Um, was I walked into my friend's house to... Um, we both walked in. They were having a fight with their mom. Very, very bad fight. And of course, too, this person did have a lot of, of course, um, self-help problem or no, basically they had suicidal tendencies before, um, but I never realized how bad it was. Okay. And so I walked into the house, of course, the mom and this person had a fight. So my friend walked upstairs I stayed in the living room because I'm like oh this is awkward I don't know really what to do right and then they go upstairs they're gone for a good couple of minutes and I started wondering what the hell was going on and then the person walks down the stairs and just starts telling me I'm sorry I am so sorry and I was telling them well why are you sorry what 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 happened and then all of a sudden they moved their arms to the front of me and then just freaking blood just started rushing down both of their arms um so yeah. they completely slit their fucking arms right there and then um without their mom knowing i grabbed this person we went to the kitchen i cleaned up all of the blood um and then of course i told them to like actually i'd be lying if i said i said anything i was fucking speechless i was just like what do i do i don't obviously this is not something i'm familiar with and it's true to say that my mind snapped it absolutely snapped i'm over here drenched in this person's freaking blood my hands are covered in their blood and now i'm cleaning it um and so then they said please like talk to me talk to me speak to me like you like there's got to be like something that you have to say to me and i said and i literally broke and i said what the fuck do you want me to say this is not a situation um right. that i knew the answer to and i said you should get help i want to help you let me just fucking help you and so this person, of course, stayed with me through a good chunk of my life. And of course, with this same person, I've dealt with a lot of other stuff too, in general, of course. Um, and same thing with their parent. It was just extremely, it was just toxic. It was very, very toxic. But that's one of the things though. How, how old were you and your friend? Um, it started roughly 
when I was, I want to say like 20, this is just out of the ballpark, like 21, um, that's how old I was. And then the other person was 23, roughly. So at least, at least we're still adult age. We're, we're not talking about like a childhood trauma here. No, yeah, no, this is a, this is definitely adult age. I mean, still, still trauma regardless. I'm not, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but at least a little bit more uh, reasoning, cognitive reasoning can be, can be placed into your actions and how you handle the situation as opposed to like an 11 year old who sees this scene and like, you, you don't see this outside of movies type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. No, we were both, we were both adults. Okay. No, that, that's crazy and i'm sorry is is your friend okay i mean have have they sought the help and and i mean um i guess i'm kind of looking for a happy ending to that well the happy ending is this because in real life not everything has the happy ending that one person can like once again a happy ending is just trivial to an, an individual and so it was bad on me 100 percent to stay around that person because there was a lot of degrading to me. And so of course, this person would of course bash me, make me not feel like the best person in the whole world. And so it was very toxic for me to be around there. And I've reached out a couple of times to of course get this person help. I've done my absolute best. And it was just extremely bad of what this person put me through considering that I used to live with this person. Oh, wow. And so that's why that it was better that I exited the picture. Right. And I got myself out of a toxic environment because of, and like I said too, is that there's a lot of other things that did happen right. um, that even involved putting me down, making me feel like shit every fucking day, making me feel like, like I'm just worthless and it was just not a good thing. So you, People think that, oh, yeah, like whatever I'm going through, there's no help. I can't get out. And I say that and I publicize that so much in my books because I thought the same damn thing. I was honestly ready to die. I was fully ready for it because I was like, that must be better than what I'm going through right now. Right. And so that's why I'm just very blessed I made it out of it. And that way I can help other people, too. I mean, kind of kind of kind of a different scenario here, but uh I get where you're coming from. I mean, we all have it in some format or whatever. I mean, I'm a divorced father with three kids, uh, one of which is an adult, but the other two are still under teenage years. And uh, my ex-wife is is about as toxic as it comes. And so I get where you're coming from. Like every day I have to even, I'm not even with her anymore. And every day I got to deal with her. And yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that, dude. Damn. It, it, it does. It, there are days where you were, that particular argument or, 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 uh, conversation. And by the time you're done with it, it's like, you know, like even, even not as, as extreme as like death is concerned, but like sometimes you sit there and it's like, you know what? Jail would be better than dealing with this. You oh, know? 150%. Anything would be damn. Yeah. So yeah, I get where you're coming from. And I, I, I can't imagine being in that type of situation. Luckily I have not been in something that extreme personally but i i know a lot of people who have and that that my heart does go out to you and and i hope your 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 special friend does seek out the help that they need i absolutely hope so too because i mean when i am not at all friends with this person i actually am completely against this person Mm -hmm. but even with my 
hatred, even with my anger and all of that stuff, I still wish them the best. I wish them happiness. I mean, I don't care how badly they wronged or hurt me. Everybody deserves happiness, at least at some point in their life. So I just wish them the best and that's it. Well, at this point, I'm going to take a a chance to say something that I I usually don't say on the show because I I take it for granted. Uh, I had a conversation a long time ago uh, when Breaking the Fourth Wall was still just a a roundtable discussion show. And Mm -hmm. uh, we we had started putting in in our description down below uh, the phone number to the suicide uh, prevention hotline. Uh, because I believe we were discussing the topic of uh, Chris Cornell and uh, and uh, uh, Chester Bennington uh, situation when they both committed suicide uh, pretty much in the same year. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, God. So uh, we started putting that in our description, and I've been copying and pasting that on every episode that Realm of the Mist releases since. And I think with this topic of conversation, it definitely brings back to not only do I want to point that out in the description, you know, is just in general, if you're in a toxic uh, environment, be it a a lover, a a family member, a friend, uh, you know, whatever, there are alternatives and there are people to talk to. And I will throw this back out there again. I've thrown this out numerous times back in the day with breaking the fourth wall and I will do it now. There is also an email address to Realm the Mist Entertainment uh in in the descriptions if you got somebody if you got something going on and you don't have anybody to talk to message me i'll talk to you i'll talk not not as an interview not not as an interview i'm not going to put you on camera email me i'll talk to you i'll hear what you got to say because it's better to have somebody even if it's a stranger talk to you than the alternatives as, as Ruben was just uh, discussing. So there's, there's help out there and I'm one of the people willing. So. And that is absolutely beautiful. Please shoot him a message because I'll tell you right now is that there's absolutely, you never want to feel like you're left alone completely. So I would highly recommend that. Please shoot him a message if you ever feel like you just need somebody to talk to because that is the most important first step is getting the help that you need. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I like a personal, a personal note. I don't, I don't necessarily condone suicide. Uh, and the reason I say that is not because I'm hateful or whatever else. The reason being is because I think people who commit suicide, although they've ended their own pain, they don't understand or they're not at least not processing the fact that the pain ended for you. Exactly. Like you left mm-hmm. a world of hurt to people who cared about you. And that's why too. And I fully agree with what you just said is I do not condone suicide at all. Like, Especially too, I'm living proof. If I freaking did whatever, like if I committed suicide or whatever, I would not at all have the support system that I have, the current beautiful relationship that I'm in and the success that I have now. And it is never too late to make that change in your life. I don't care if you're freaking 12 years old. I don't care if you're in your 60s or 70s. You can always make that change. Absolutely on that. Absolutely. And guys, I, you know, I, I, I've got to ask you because I, I, I want to get... I, I'm going to stay on the, the, the topic of conversation, but I kind of want to take it away from the dark place a little bit here. This is supposed to be an entertainment show, uh, <laughs> but I definitely got to jump back in. Now you, you, besides writing books, you've obviously dabbled a little bit in acting as well. Uh, yeah. you have, uh, if the IMD, I don't have it up on, on my phone at the exact moment. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, I've got you for uh Hey man back in 2017 and uh, a, one coming up next year called fragile fragile heart yep fragile heart coming 2021 2021 uh (laughs) 
what 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 made the transition from from author to actor like what 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 made you do that so i've always wanted to be an actor that was my one big career goal okay and of course to growing up you have people that said oh you can't be an actor like no it could be an actor like or if you're an actor you have to be like tom cruise and i'm over here like i want to prove you wrong guys like you know what i'm gonna do the same thing and so growing up even like from early ages of how old was I? I want to say 12. I was always in theater. Um, and then, of course, growing up, I wanted to do voice acting. So that's exactly with what I wanted to do, voice acting and acting. Right. And so I just decided to act on those. Um, I messaged a couple of friends that I knew were actors and it just grew from there. Now, the question I've got to ask, and I, I don't know either film. I'm going to have to watch them. Uh, that looks like they are released on uh, Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, well, the so, hey man is <laughs> so hey man last time i checked was available on youtube um but the one i'm mostly excited for is fragile heart which will be on netflix coming 2021 excellent so yeah i'll be check i'll be checking those out but uh i want to ask and and if i'm wrong in this uh for for people that are listening uh listening in and maybe it hasn't been mentioned or at least you didn't catch the subtlety of it uh mr o'neill here is a, a homosexual man he is part of the lgbtq community i'm curious especially when it comes to involvement in the in the industry uh has that played a factor or effect in your career like to give an example for for what i mean is like uh, you think of an actor who plays a role for a very long time they get typecasted for that role and it's just something that happens in the in the career for somebody who comes in and and is openly uh homosexual do you will find yourself either being blocked from parts because it's calling for a straight man role or do you vice versa do you find yourself always getting casted for the the gay man role where you're not allowed to broaden into more of a, a situation, or is this something that doesn't really exist in the film industry that they don't have an issue with somebody's sexuality and, and choosing the, the roles for, for, or the right actors for the roles? Well, yeah, no, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Is a lot of people are typecasted. That is an honest to God, real thing in the acting community, but at least with my experiences personally, I mean, with how I, because once again, it's all visual and it's about hearing that person's voice. Right. And so if I look just like a man, I can do whatever I want. Like I, ha I don't have the voice of a feminine man. Right. I don't have any distinguishing aspects that would be like, oh yeah, like, like I'm gay. So in general, they can put me in whatever position they want me in and I'm completely okay. Okay. Um, do you find it, do you find it uncomfortable? Like I, see, I, I, I equate this question, and it's going to sound a little ignorant. I apologize in advance if it does. But I equate, oh, I this, question, I equate this question because I'm not an actor. I was, a, I was a pro wrestler for a couple of years. It's about as close as I was to an actor. But, like, I wasn't involved in love scenes in pro wrestling, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I imagine, like, if I was ever on a film and I was supposed to kiss heather locklear I, I know she's older and stuff like that but if i was supposed to kiss heather locklear and i'm a i'm a straight man you would think i'd be excited about it but i would be uncomfortable because she's not my wife she's not my girlfriend you know what i mean i know we're supposed to be play acting but there is still that kind of feeling and i wonder if with that feeling just you know kissing a, a girl which is natural for me for somebody like you if you had a role where you're supposed to be playing a straight man and you're supposed to kiss your wife goodbye 
is is there an extra anxiety to that or is it something that you're able to 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 uh consciously be like this is just play acting oh yeah no absolutely 100 percent um first of all how can i put it is i would not have a problem with of course kissing a woman or anything at all because definitely too in my past i've been in relationships um with women and of course it's trial and error when you find out who you are right um but in general though i'm very respect because i am in a committed relationship if the director told me to kiss somebody i'd probably ask like hey can i kiss them on the cheek like would that be okay like you know i'm in a hardcore relationship um because to answer your question though would that bother me absolutely not but it would of course break like one of my vows of i am in a committed relationship and even if it involves acting um, then I will, of course, try to bend the rules, kiss on the cheek, something like that to right. steer away from that. Okay. No, 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 I was just curious because, you know, um, again, because of the fact that, that uh, acting is stepping into the, the, my understanding of it, is stepping into the life and world of a created character. You know, yeah. I mean? so you're not you, you're them during that time. You know, the, the best way I can describe it is like when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, which I love Dungeons and Dragons, but you know, you're you're playing the character, you know, you're play acting the character. You're not you. You're that dark lord elf. You know, <laughs> you're the drow. You're the coolest drow in all the world. There you go. Thank you. I, <laughs> my man knows I'm a Dritz fan. <laughs> oh, dude, absolutely. I'm always a drow bard. I get it. It's okay. Actually, actually, I've always played a drow ranger. Um, dang. The last campaign I did, uh, which we were doing for this channel, uh, I was the son of my first ever D&D character. <laughs> oh, heck yeah on that one, man. Dang. So that, was, that was cool. And uh, we, we took him on a weird adventure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I mean, especially when you're playing D&D, anything can freaking happen by far. But that, that, that's, that's why I was curious about it, like, uh, with, with the questions I asked you, because, like, you know, with D&D, if I... If, if my character's supposed to kiss a woman, there'd be a die roll. But you know what I mean? As, oh, yeah. You, you roll a one. You're screwed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as opposed to, like, real-life acting where it's like you do have to physically sometimes, you know, put that in. So I was just curious about the, 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 the scenarios. But that's great that, that, that you're able to do that. And especially it's great to know that some directors and, and writers would be okay with the fact that, like, maybe they wanted a love scene, but they understand that, like, you know, look, there's some lines I don't want to cross morally. And then they would work with you on that and not cost you your job, which, you know, there's always been horror stories for people outside of Hollywood, you know. It's oh, like, 100%. Absolutely. You don't do this, you could be replaced, you know. Uh, first person I think of is Carrie Fisher, who was always worried about her weight during the Star Wars films. And uh, mm -hmm. she was always afraid that they were going to turn around like, oh, you're too, still too chubby, bring in Jodie Foster, you know what I mean? So... And see, and that was, that's my huge thing, at least when it comes to acting in general, is I'm very upfront with people of what I will do. Um, and honestly, too, I don't have that much of like lines as far as what I won't do. That's just my big thing when it comes to relationships is right. I'm not, of course, going to, if I'm blessfully taken, why would I risk that? It's just a personal thing on my level. Of course, obviously, a lot of people don't see it that way. But I mean, besides that, or at least smoking an actual cigarette. Those are the only two things I won't do. Everything else, sweet. Absolutely go for it. Like, I don't have that much boundaries as, as far as what I will and won't do. What is your dream role? What would you, what, uh, obviously we, we know about two films and all that. And we'll definitely dig into the, to what they're about. 
but uh, beforehand, what is your dream role? Like, what would be the genre of film and character that you would want to play? Like, whether pre-existing or something that uh, from your own imagination. Thank you for asking that because I have always wanted this certain role, and that's a psychological uh, thriller, and I want to be the bad guy in it. So basically the guy who's really messed up psychologically, whether it be the killer, whether it would be, um, I don't know, just basically something in that balance of just being the bad guy in a psychological horror film. I would absolutely go bananas over that. Well, let me, let me ask you, uh, with, with the, the genre of villains, let's, let's really dig into the psychology here. Would you want to be the villain who is literally the guy in the big, the, 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 the top hat with the twirling mustache <laughs> villain? Or would you want to really be like the sympathetic villain? Uh, best example I can give is maybe Jigsaw from Saw, the original Jigsaw, not the, the, the copy. Thank you. Afterwards, where, where John Kramer never viewed himself as the villain. He thought he was helping people, even though what he was doing was horrific. Best one, basically like John Kramer, 150%. Because obviously I don't want to be like, hmm, I'm evil. Look at me, look at what I do. But I would want to be like John Kramer, Heath Ledger's Joker, like stuff like in that realm. Who These people who believe they're doing an honest to God good thing in general. Of course, though, I can't really say Heath Ledger's the Joker because of course he's just, <laughs> that's a horrible comparison because he just right. wants to like kill and murder and whatever. But I would love either a role like that or a role like in Jigsaw. 100% something similar to that. All right, cool. As you see, I'm, I'm all about it. Again, as a professional wrestler, I spent many years as a good guy, as a, as a face, and that was great. I, I loved kissing babies and slapping hands, you know. Like, <laughs> But I mean, uh, but it, well, it's better than, you know, kissing hands and slapping babies, I'm just saying. Um, which, <laughs> but the, the, the most fun I ever had in my career was the bad guy. The, you know, being, being the heel, the guy that you're, you're booing and doing and saying whatever it took to make you hate me. You know? Oh, yeah. That's always the fun part, too. You're like, nah, dude, I'm going to make sure I get on your bad side. And it was great because there were times <laughs> I was so good at my job that there were times in Colorado uh, where I literally had to be escorted out of the building because there were bikers waiting for me in the parking lot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you hire five bodyguards, no one touched me. Dang. That, you know, you got you to gotta run my mind them. It's like, it's a show. I was paid to piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, dude, where's my raise? Because I have apparently succeeded. You know, so <laughs> there, there's nothing better. I've always, I, you know, if I ever got into acting, I honestly believe I would want to play the villain. I mean, it would be great to be the hero, to be Luke Skywalker, you know, you know, to use Star Wars as an example, because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. It would be great to be Luke Skywalker, but secretly I want to be Vader. Oh, 100%. More people look at Vader than they do Luke Skywalker. Because I mean, without Vader, Luke Skywalker would have, Number one, obviously, wouldn't have existed. Like, let's be real. But number two, though, it just all goes back to Vader. People pay more attention. And I think, in general, it's just more fun to play the character who's, of course, the bad guy, but who thinks that he's doing the right thing because it makes you even think about, well, why? Obviously, he has a point. Even if it's wrong, he has a point. So what is the point that he's making? Right. Well, I mean, I, I would take not only the psychological good guy, uh, the bad guy who, who thinks he's good, uh, you know, and, and of course, besides the people that we chose, I mean, we could talk about like, you know, Breaking Bad as an example of that type of character as well, uh, the Walter White character. But I, 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 I would be happy to play the, the completely insane villain, too. Uh, one of the best examples I can give just off the top of my head is Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. 
like that just which character do you play on game of thrones he was he was uh he was ramsey bolton he uh he he oh, yes he, he, oh he, my he, god oh yeah. that guy was oh he was awesome damn that was Ooh. brilliant like when you were watching game of thrones you thought it can't get no worse than than uh the lannister kid the you know the the joffrey joffrey thank you i couldn't remember his name for example you can't get no worse than joffrey and then here comes ramsey and it's like he he literally walked into game of thrones like hold my beer <laughs> oh yeah it was horrifying like he was even he what he cut off reeks like phallus and was like boom dude now you don't have anything left to your name oh god it was bad oh yeah Ooh. and then in front of in front of Greyjoy, uh rape sansa and i mean it just like this guy was evil incarnate and it's like how much fun would it be to play that character it would be so much fun because even to when you're offset, you could be like, hi guys, I'm still, I'm honestly a nice person, but yeah. you see this disgusting and vile character. You're like, damn, man. Like, are you sure you're not really like that? <laughs> One of my favorites, uh, speaking of Joffrey, the actor who played Joffrey uh, was, was uh, did a cameo in Batman Begins. I always find it funny when I go on social media and I see the meme of, uh, him as a little boy and Batman's hanging on the side and he throws him the uh, the binoculars or whatever else. That was Joffrey. And <laughs> the theme is, is Batman failed. He could have ended this a long time ago. <laughs> Dude, because you know what? I hate to say it, but I think Joffrey in general was the worst villain. Like as far as like acting was so perfect that everybody hated him. And he just, God, fantastic actor to make the whole world hate you. You know what? But I feel bad for him. I do. Uh, and it's the same for uh, Tom uh, Tom Welton for uh, for his uh, portrayal of Malfoy in the Harry Potter series. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel bad for the actor, like uh, because they played their parts so well that people can't see him uh, out in the real world outside <laughs> of it. You know what Damn. I mean? Like, you you look at that kid, all you see is Joffrey, or you look at you look at Tom Welton, all you see. I watched him on the Flash, and I couldn't not see Malfoy. You know, and it's so bad because I mean, you play a character so damn good. That's what you're going to be known for, and that's why too. And I don't know the reasonings of why he did it, but the actor who played Joffrey, when he was done with Game of Thrones, he even told everybody, "Yeah, guys, I think I'm done with acting. Um, I'm going to go back to school." And I'm over here like, "You're really good. Why are you going back to school? Is it because how damn like everybody hates you because they see you as Joffrey now?" Like, I didn't understand that. That's probably it. He probably just, uh, I don't know if he's done permanently, but he might be turning around saying, let, let people forget me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would for a whole good couple minutes. I'd be like, yeah, um, I'm tired of getting like crap thrown at me. I think it's time for a break. <laughs> like when you play a role like that, what's the next logical choice? Like, do, do you get into a romantic love comedy just so people can see a softer side? You know? <laughs> After after chopping off a man's phallus, you know, let let me let me show that I'm a family man. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's absolutely insane. That's why too. At least it was hard for me at first, but like horrible example. But like um, Robert Pattinson after he did Twilight, <clears throat> he did a movie called Remember Me, and don't get me wrong, it was still a great movie. But I mean, in general, like I'm like, okay, that's Edward. That's I, Edward. I get where you're coming from uh, with them just recently dropping the 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 Batman trail teaser trailer uh, this week. Uh, which is Robert Patterson playing playing the role of Dark Knight. Oh, I, I didn't was, see it yet. I was a completely against, I am completely against Robert Patterson playing Batman, uh, mostly because of some of the things he said uh, as far as approaching the role, like he doesn't want to give in to the social norms of, of working out to get bulk up his physique for the Batman role. 
that's Batman. If you read the comic, yeah, like, Batman is the peak of, of perfection as far as like human abilities. You yeah, know? like if you could picture a man, that's Batman. He's over here rocking his 16 back like, hello. Like you're going to have to beef up a little bit. Right. You know, it's not just his intelligence. It's also his physique. He's trained himself to the peak of physical perfection. But, you know, th those types of deals, but the same deal, it's like I, all I ever think of is Harry Potter uh, and the Goblet of Fire or Twilight when I think of Robert Patterson. Neither was a great role for him in my mind. So when he was announced as Batman, I'm like, oh. Yeah, I'm over here like, guys, like it's not already a good lineup with Robert Patterson. Don't get me wrong. Like, opinions aside, I know he is a great actor, like, example from Remember Me in general. I know he can do, like, emotional movies, but I'm, like, having him as Batman? Like, he better freaking impress the living crap out of me for me to like it, because I don't see that happening right now. Well, it was weird. I mean, I would definitely recommend watching the teaser trailer. Um, you can watch my reaction to the teaser trailer right here on the channel. <laughs> um, but, I mean... I'm cautiously optimistic. I still am not on the Robert Patterson board. Uh, however, what I saw in the teaser trailer, it really felt like I, one of the best one of the best descriptions I felt uh, that I heard from somebody else. It, unfortunately, I did not coin this. Somebody else coined this, but uh, it to the trailer. But it it definitely fits. Like after he said it, after I watched that reaction, he said it. I was like, you know what? That's perfect is it really did feel like the trailer really did feel like this is going to be a very dark Batman film. This feels like Saw meets the crow. Oh, Oh my God. See that here? Like this is going to sound bad, but for me, that sounds really good. Like as far as that, cause I like nitty gritty dark crap, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I understand that's not honestly like traditional Batman as far as being that dark goes, but I'm, I'm excited, but I'm not excited about Robert Pattinson be in the batman but who knows maybe he might impress i might impress i doubt it but we'll see well that's it i mean a lot of the robert patterson fanboys is like give him a chance give or fangirls give him a chance give him a chance i'm gonna give him a chance and I, I understand where the robert patterson fans are coming from because when ben affleck was charged for and i'm a huge batman fan huge my whole life like probably one of my top top two comic book superheroes of all time is batman so, you know, when, when Ben Affleck was announced, everybody else was like, oh, Batfleck. Oh, he's going to destroy it. Oh, he's going he's gonna to be terrible. And I'm the guy that's like, you know what? I remember what he did with Daredevil. Yes, Daredevil was a terrible movie, but look at the way he played Daredevil. There's no doubt in my mind he can nail Batman. And as far as I'm concerned, he proved he could. Now. See, and that's the thing. It's just by giving that person a chance to actually portray it. Because, I mean, if it sucks, cool. It's a crappy movie. You right. can absolutely say that, but until you give that person a chance, then give them a chance. Because, I mean, nobody – and I hate to keep going back to this example, but look at Heath Ledger. Like, you would never see him before he was announced to be the Joker. You never would have seen him to be a role like that. But, damn, one of the best of all freaking time. So, same I thing argue. with him. I, I argue. I still like Jack Nicholson better. I, I thought his villain was phenomenal, Heath Ledger's villain. I just – I think Jack was more in the spirit of the Joker than than Keith. Yeah. Personal opinion. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I can respect that because by far too, I would counteract that. I definitely think Heath Ledger's is better, but I can absolutely see and I can absolutely respect of why a lot of people because a lot of people do like um Jack Nicholson's much more. And I absolutely see why. I mean he's like the he is the comedic joker that which people love and enjoy. So I respect mm -hmm. that hundred percent. 
no, but as far as like a realistic version of the Joker, yeah, he absolutely fits. I mean, as far as the Joker, like people are going to argue all day long, but we can all agree on two things as far as the Joker role is concerned. The absolute worst Joker of all time was he uh, was uh, Jared Leto. Oh, see, I didn't even see that one yet. Not yet, I didn't see that one. And that's not his fault. I don't blame on. I don't blame Jared Leto for it. I blame the writers of Suicide Squad for what they did to the Joker. Damn, was it really that bad? Oh. I, I don't want to spoil it. Just watch it for yourself. Oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. As far as I'm concerned, there was redeemable qualities to Suicide Squad, but the Joker was not one of them. Oh, um, my God. No. Okay. Uh, as far as the greatest Joker of all time, I think most fans can agree Mark Hamill's voice acting persona of the Joker has always been the quintessential standard of the character. and I would absolutely agree with that is that he is the baseline like you can only go up from there there is no going below (laughs) so I think I think that's where we can go with and that's the way I'm looking at it with Robert Patterson for for Batman is uh quite honestly he can't do no worse than George Clooney did I ever see George Clooney the uh Batman and Robin movie didn't see that one okay because I was like I didn't even know that George Clooney did a Batman yeah, he the, the the fourth, the fourth of the original Tim Burton slash uh, Joel, Joel Schumacher films was uh, George Clooney as Batman, and of course Chris O'Donnell as Robin, and Alicia Silverstone as uh, Batgirl. They introduced Batgirl. And Damn, I'm gonna have to sit down and just binge that. Seriously, it, it's worth it. Just it's so campy that it's it's Batman and Robin is one of those films. I'm probably gonna get blasted in the comments for this, but uh. The Batman and Robin movie is so bad, so terrible that it's entertaining. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? I unfortunately understand that right there because sometimes you just need a good laugh. Even if the movie's like a piece of crap, you can at least get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's terrible because you think of the caliber of actors you got. I mean, George Clooney's no slouch in acting. You know? No, not at all. He's a great actor. You got Uma Thurman playing Poison Ivy and you got Arnold... <laughs> Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze you would think this is going to be the greatest action flick of all time and oh my god it was a dumpster fire (laughs) oh my god but you know what though dumpster fires are freaking great too that's why I'm like I'm just gonna have to sit down and watch that because that sounds great (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's speaking of speaking of movies we're talking about every other everybody else's movie let's talk about yours tell me a little bit about uh well let's talk about hey man because I don't want to spoil anything from fragile heart too much so let's talk about hey man first the first one that people can uh, actually check and check it out you uh play the character of if i'm seeing this correctly you paid play the character of peter what is peter's story so it's so funny so peter is how can i put it he's and it's so funny because considering who i am he's kind of anti-lgbt like okay. he's very like the church going man of you know what like we should all you know, let's go to church. Like, I understand that you are who you are, but maybe I can kind of change your views, change your ways. That's kind of Peter. Um, but it's a very LGBT um, positive short film in general. It was absolutely fantastic um, being able to work with um, Adrian, being able to work with the cast, even Amy. It was just a very humbling experience. And that was my very, very first um, on-camera film. Okay. When you say on camera, what do you mean? You've done some behind the scenes like writing or, or uh, 
oh, voice just, acting. I, I'm because I'm voice, so I, voice acting work, right? Yeah, like I do a lot of voice acting in general, but that was my very first on-screen film. And so basically, what I mean by that is my first film where you see me. Okay. And so that's why I'm over here. Like, so that was, and you can tell in my acting since that was my very first one, like in general, but I'm very excited and I hope people enjoy it. I'm just very excited for Fragile Heart coming out 2021. That one's going to be the big one. My recent one, I did that two weeks ago and it's going to go on Netflix. So that one's going to be a blessing and a humbled experience. When, well, it brings up a very good question uh, between the two, as far as like voice acting, uh, voiceover work and, and stuff, and, and then being in front of the camera, playing the physically embodying the character as opposed to just voicing the character. Which one have you found to be more rewarding and, and or more difficult to, to perform? I 100% do um, prefer voice acting, but of course I will never ever turn down a part for physical acting or voice acting. I just really love and appreciate voice acting because I feel like I can go more in depth with my character when it comes to voice, when it comes to portraying a certain character's feelings and emotions. What, uh, what, what are some of the uh, voice acting jobs that you've done? Like any characters uh, that I would recognize or our listeners? Um, probably not yet. I just got done. It was about a week ago. I just did something with JK Lego Productions, um, which is officially up on YouTube right now. I did, um, it was, it's so funny that you brought up Batman. Um, it's a Batman and Joker Lego film. Um, nice. And I did Alfred. So that was so much fun. And I blessed them for oh, casting me awesome. in that. Yeah, so that was fun. That was my first time ever attempting a British accent, which that was a pain in my butt, if I'm being honest, but it was so much fun, though. Gosh, but besides that, though, um, I just invested in a whole new um, studio setup, so I'm getting emails bit by bit with me, um, with people casting me for parts, so very blessed about that. That's cool. That is awesome. Um so again, uh, we we know we we know you got uh, the 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 film uh, uh, Fragile Hearts coming up here in 2021. What else is in store for uh, Mr. O'Neill in the future, especially once COVID finally releases its grip on us? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I have a lot of beautiful things um, planned upcoming, which of course I did sign, of course, my NDA agreements. So there's a couple of wonderful projects I'm very excited about that I just can't talk about yet. Right. Um, but a couple of them, of course, will be on the big screen. So very excited about that. Oh, nice. um, and of course, to book three is coming out um, very soon. There's not an official release date yet, hopefully next month. And it's going to be the most shocking book I've ever written. And I can honestly admit to that. And it's something that surprised me. Well, that, that, that brings up a great, great question that I was going to ask anyway. Uh, as far as like your writing is concerned, like we know we can go to YouTube to check out Hey Man and we know Netflix for Fragile Hearts. But as far as your books are concerned, where can people get a copy of your books if they want to uh, pick it up to, to read for themselves the poetry or, or the story behind it? Uh, do they go to places like Amazon or, or can they go to like their local Barnes and Noble? Yeah, no, absolutely. So book one, it's called Mom, I'm Sorry. You can find that one absolutely on Amazon and through Barnes and Noble. Um, book two, you can find primarily on Amazon itself. Book three, when it comes out, it will be both available through Barnes and Noble and on Amazon. And it's just, once again, it's just been a humbling and blissful experience that I have the opportunity to go out there and talk to you guys and be able to help you in any way that I possibly can. And book one, of course, like I just said, is called Mom, I'm Sorry. The second one is called Dad, Please Don't Go. And the third one, I guess you will be, I will 
say it to you so that way your show's the very first one who does hey, actually have the it? title for book three because i i've been very strict on actually making sure i haven't told anybody not not even my freaking mom knows like oh, i haven't wow. told anybody so book three will be called there's something i didn't tell you oh wow. and that is going to be the conclusion for books one two and three wow that that actually gave me goosebumps that title that that's that's so, pretty that's pretty crazy that makes me wonder what the content inside is uh, oh absolutely and that i can't say because i already slipped that not. info and i couldn't could i shouldn't even said that but very blessed though to actually have had that opportunity to be able to do what i do and love doing it well see now i feel bad because now i know something your mother doesn't know oh <laughs> i'm just welcome to being for being a kid like it happens too especially being birthed from your mother there's going to be a lot of things your mom doesn't know <laughs> exactly, you know so, <laughs> i feel terrible on that but no it's been an absolute blast uh ruben if people want to get in contact with you or or dig more into the uh topics of conversation that we uh, went into besides having you back on again which i absolutely would love um, same here man i really enjoyed it where could people get a hold of you if they wanted to ask questions or maybe get to know a little bit more about your work yeah 100 percent. so definitely to shirt that i'm wearing too you can follow me on instagram c.r.rath that is the quickest way to get a hold of me um, in general, right now, of course, if you need to contact me for any business inquiries, you can always email me at ruben.oneal, the number is 123, at gmail.com. First name, Ruben, R-U-B-E-N, dot O-N-E-I-L-L, numbers 123, at gmail.com. Excellent. And, of course, guys, right here on uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall, you can find us on the Realm of the Mist uh, Entertainment YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like, subscribe, comment, share this out, let your friends hear it. And, of course, check out the other podcasts of Breaking the Fourth Wall, whether the weekly show or the interview shows. And, of course, if you prefer your uh, podcast in audio-only format, we got you covered. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Again, I want to thank you, Ruben, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I will have you back on again, especially when your book releases. Or maybe we'll have a maybe we'll maybe we'll set something up and do a little watch party for uh, for for the new movie when it comes out on Netflix. <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic. And guys, please subscribe to his channel. It's been an absolute blessing just to be here and be able to connect with you guys. So once again, man, by far, thank you so much again for giving me this opportunity to come out here and actually talk to everybody and you two one on one. Absolutely. And guys, I will catch you on the next breaking the fourth wall interview. Have a good night, guys. Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.